Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 133 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass says so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over. 50 years for a menu and a list of their thir- uh, 14, 14 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation Mediterranean chicken. Had the Texan the other night. It's old school, big boy pizza. Uh, everything's real at Royal. All right, without further ado, uh, he joins us Monday and Wednesday here on Letters Now, courtesy of Legacy Heating and Cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments and no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy, Legacy Heating and Cooling. We welcome uh, back to the show our NHL insider and chief political correspondent, John Shen. John, John, how are you doing? I'm great, Bob. How are you? Good. Well, we just had Staples on. He's our provincial affairs columnist. Uh, he actually is the provincial affairs columnist for uh, the uh, Edmonton uh, for Post Media. Uh, John, there, there were moments today where I thought actually Ken Holland, during his media availability at 9 a.m., was going to be asked about the provincial uh, cabinet shuffle that took place yesterday. <laughs> because uh, how much? Let me ask you this: Do you think when all these guys got involved, like in Ken's case, when he transitioned from uh, goaltender to scout, that he thought one day? That he was going to have to be up on uh, on on how pandemics work and can change and alter your uh, organization Aww. and schedules. I mean, everything. All it's crazy, isn't it? It is. It is crazy. We've joked about it before, but uh, you know, in the last decade, um, you know, lots of us have become lawyers. Lots of us have become accountants. Lots of us have become virologists. I mean, where the, the expectation is between the CBA, the pandemic. Uh, and uh, everything else that goes in, in and around the National Hockey League, you, uh, you you need to have some sort of degree in international affairs and medicine. Yeah, it's crazy times. Um, Ken uh, did mention, you know, he, he, the situation with Duncan Keith. He said he talked uh, to Josh Archibald about his options as well and said that there was a, on our on our show today. And... Uh, uh, you know, uh, talked about the fact that the Oilers uh, could have uh, one vaccinated player. Uh, they didn't. They just cut to. Is it easier for an American general manager to do it, knowing that you're only going to Canada so many times, and the issues uh, a Canadian border issue in terms of entry into Canada coming back from the United States? Does that does this make it a less delicate situation for an American GM right now than maybe a Canadian uh, manager? Well, uh, I don't think so. I mean, you know, Steve Eiserman's facing the same thing uh, in Detroit with Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, and when you consider that there are in the Atlantic division, trying to get used to using the old division yeah, again. I, I had that problem uh, too today. <laughs> in the Atlantic division, uh, the Red Wings have to play in Ottawa, Montreal, and Toronto. 
uh, it's going to affect them uh, almost as much. Uh, so, so from that perspective, uh, I, I, I would tell you that the two divisions, the Atlantic and the Pacific as a whole, are more affected, whether you're a, a, a U.S.-based team or a Canadian-based team. Um, but that's, that is the reality of what the agreement between the Players Association and the league has done. And, and it should be noted, Bob, you know what, if, if, if the player elects not to get vaccinated, uh, for the games that he cannot participate in, he can be suspended and not paid. So not only is it uh, some sort of a medical decision, but it could be a financial decision in the end, too. Uh this text comes in for I think he's having fun with me. Love the show and listen all the time. Looking forward to the camp starting. My only complaint is I wish you'd dedicate more time to talking about COVID. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, because I, I'm a numbers guy and, you know, the numbers are what the numbers are. And uh, sometimes the hard numbers are what the hard numbers are. All right. So uh, several storylines around the league and this is this is an ongoing situation by the way did you see frank cervelli's report today peter shirelli former general manager of the edmonton oilers um he was doing some ghost work uh, for doug armstrong in st louis and right. we should mention to people there was a time that doug armstrong was doing ghost work for the edmonton oilers for kevin Lowe a number of years ago when he was uh, let go by the dallas stars but Peter Sorelli could be going in a senior management role with the uh, St. Louis Blues. And Ken Hitchcock uh, as well with St. Louis. That's interesting, isn't it? Yes. Uh, what I think uh, Doug is trying to do is uh, uh, surround himself with people and take uh, perhaps uh, have less of a workload, uh, particularly in this year, an Olympic year, where Doug does have some Olympic responsibilities for Hockey Canada. Uh, but in the end, it becomes one where you uh, you have a trusted group of people uh, around you, and whether it's uh, Shirelli and Hitchcock uh, joining the Blues, and uh, uh, at a certain point uh, that becomes an asset for somebody who is with uh, Armstrong's background and trusts these people. Yeah, and they have that obvious connection from working on the 2014 Olympic team as well, uh, which built one of the most dominant. Uh, what did I give up? Three goals in the entire tournament. Kevin Lowe was part of that uh, Olympic group as well. He assisted yep. in putting that uh, defense together. And uh, we're going to be uh, retirement night here at Edmonton. And, and as a result, number four, no longer for Chris Russell. He's going to wear number six, John. Well, uh, well, I mean, uh, they weren't going to retire it for Adam Larson. We know that. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I can uh, tell you is, is that, uh, in, in my personal opinion, having been around since 1979, uh, the, uh, the retirement of number four, for Kevin um, is long overdue as a player. Uh, his whole, and and the Oilers the, the the Oilers did an interesting thing. They made they made a decision a long time ago to retire numbers only after they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, so that there was a, a certain level of uh, of accountability and credibility with the retired numbers. And so Kevin going into the Hall this November. Uh, it just made some sense that number four could finally be retired, and it's uh, it's certainly well-deserved. I'm happy for, for Kevin. I'm happy for his wife, Karen, and for the whole family. John, yesterday, one of our texters, uh, Glenn the bartender, had some fun with us uh, as we fused uh, uh, sort of hockey with politics and uh, tied well, into the movies. You've, ne you've never done that before, have you? Never. Uh, the movie Slapshot. What was that song from Slapshot that Maxine Nightingale did? 
uh, the more things uh, stay the same or whatever. The Maple Leafs use it as their song, goal song. I don't know why you're talking about that. Really? Now they've got it. Yeah. Did they not? By the way, did Maple Leafs not have a new docu series that's coming out? Uh, Amazon Prime, yes. Amazon Prime coming out, I think, the first week in October. And we're hearing already that William Nylander's agent's not necessarily pleased with what appears on there? Well, what I can tell you is, is that the, the, the Maple Leafs uh, have certainly, certainly uh, uh, censured a lot of content in the documentary. Uh, they were, I think that uh, there is a, a great deal of disappointment uh, for the people uh, at the league and at, uh, at Amazon who produced the content, the amount of, uh, of uh, input that Brendan Shanahan and his staff have had in trying to uh, uh, kind of launder what, what is heard. I, so can't is, I can't believe they would do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I, uh, you know, whether, whether it's Nylander, there, there has to be something of relevance within the content and the, it's, I think it's a four or five part series, Bob, that comes first comes out uh, first week in October. So this basically covers the past, the, like the Canadian, the, the, the season in the Canadian division for the Leafs. That's right. It yeah. started. Uh, it started basically uh, uh, with camp in January and ended with their uh, exit interviews and, and went to the draft uh, in uh, in July uh, with the Maple Leafs. And you know, it, 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 in many ways, um, you know, we talked about boys on the bus last year. Yeah. You know, the expectation in 1986 was that uh, the documentary would end with. Uh, 99 skating around the Coliseum with the cup again and I think there was a huge expectation when they decided to do the Maple Leafs and the Maple Leafs agreed to do it that they would be a team that would be at least into the Stanley Cup semifinals last year. Yeah, you can't imagine the amount of disappointment there was in Western Canada watching the Canadians roar back from 3-1 down and winning that series, John. Uh, you know, hey, listen, there are, listen, whether we like it or not, there are closet Canadians fans in the West and there yes. are closet Maple Leafs fans in the West, and some closets are bigger than others. I grew I grew up a Canadians fan. I love Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur and Rennie Levesque were my two favorite French Canadians. Oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Guy Lafleur and Rennie Levesque? Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought Rennie had a great idea. Only I, I, I just didn't think it should, I didn't think it should be up to Quebec to decide. I thought it should be up to the rest of Canada. It should be like Survivor. I'm, I'm just joking with you. You know I love going there. Like, Montreal is my favorite Canadian city to go to. It's not even close. It's... I find Toronto antiseptic a bit when you go there. You know what I mean? And maybe it's because in the lower bowl, half the seats are empty for the first six or seven minutes of each period. Like when you're in Montreal and you're in that building, John, you're alive. It's like going to Absolutely. it's like going to the United States or in Chicago when the anthem. Like you know, if we're fortunate enough to to broadcast road games, uh, you know, this year. Um, well, you're going to broadcast them. We don't know whether you're traveling. Right. That's if we're if we're fortunate <laughs> enough to travel, and and Cam Moon gets that privilege of being in Chicago and you know having that anthem by Jim Cornelson belted out. And for the listeners that have made, we've done a couple roadies to, through New West Travel to Chicago. There's nothing like it, and it's the same as when you go to Montreal. Like, well, the, you know, it reminds me, it reminds you of stories in those uh, those '80s and the years that I was doing all those Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Edmonton games in Chicago on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. 
we would we would work the system so that you could run and, and this is the old stadium uh, it was much closer you could you could uh, you tell the director that he's in charge he's in charge for the next two and a half minutes and let him direct the cameras and you would run into the Zamboni entrance of the old Chicago Stadium and listen to Wayne Mesmer who was really the original singer right. of of uh, the Star Spangled Banner? Listen to Wade Mesner sing it in front of sixteen thousand six hundred and sixty six, and there was nothing, nothing ever like it in the National Hockey League. Was it the ninety one All Star Game during the Gulf War? Where yeah, it that, was. It was. It that's the one that's on YouTube. We'll get Brendan. I mean, yeah, it, it's an un and and Chicago fan like I think Chicago's the best U.S. city, John. It's got. Big, it's got big city money, but Midwest value. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I, well, there's there's something to be said for that. I'll tell you what, that's what Mesmer was. I think at his uh, um, height, at his uh, at his height. Yeah. It, I'll, uh, one quick story on that weekend. So I'm producing the uh, I'm producing both the skills competition and the game for NBC that year, uh, and NBC had a policy uh, corporately that they did not show national anthems at sporting events. And so we, we had production meetings that week, and we were arguing with them, well, you know, it's going to be pretty special. You know, and the Gulf War, you're right, the Gulf War had started, I think, on the Thursday night. Yep. Uh, Wednesday night or the Thursday night, and, and, and we were then doing the skills competition Friday and the game on on Saturday. Could be. I, I get my dates wrong. But anyway, so Mesmer sings the anthem during, for the skills competition, and every NBC suit from New York runs into the TV mobile after he sings and says, guys, we've got to carry the anthem for the game. As if they have invented something, and they but they had to see it for themselves and had to believe it for themselves that that night was so special uh, with America at war uh, and Wayne Mesmer singing the way he did, and it was by far the most impactful thing about the All-Star game that weekend was the, the Star-Spangled Banner that he sang. All right. Uh, on yesterday's show, I want to get back to Glenn, the bartender's text. Uh, he, we talked uh, briefly about the election early in the show, and he said, Bob, for the same amount that was spent on the election, uh, Quebec could have had an expansion franchise at $650 million. And uh, I think the only way Quebec City ever gets back in, the only way is through a transfer of an NHL team from the States. So I'm going to put you on the spot again, John, for the 239th time over the last six <laughs> seasons. Do you believe Quebec City could support it? I know they wouldn't be the the sexiest market from an NHL perspective, but that Battle of Quebec back in the day was awesome. It was an it was it was great hockey. It was it was just like the Battle of Alberta. Uh, maybe not. I mean, Quebec had one of the highest scoring teams in the league for a number of years. Give well, me give me your perspective. Could it work in Quebec City? First of all, the, the, the rivalry between Quebec and Montreal was more than hockey, if you remember. It was beer, too. Yep. And it was the days of Carling O'Keefe versus Molson. And that's what made it even more special for a ton of people. Um, I, I have my doubts of whether Quebec can um, host an NHL team anymore. Uh, and Not for the hockey side, not for filling the arena seats. Um, but you need to generate so many corporate dollars uh, now um, to be part of revenue sharing that it would be difficult. 
that it would truly be difficult for a, 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 a city as small as Quebec City to have the corporate commitment. And let's, let's say we're not going to take money from the provincial government in Quebec City. You need millions and millions of corporate dollars. Isn't that how business? I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where it comes from in Quebec City. Isn't that, where, isn't that how business is done in Quebec? You get money from the government? I don't know. I don't live there. Yeah. Well, that's how they built the $400 million arena, right? $200 million that was of it was... City. That was the city. The 200 city from the, the city and 200 yeah. from the province. That's how they built it. Because uh, I asked about Quebec or John uh, yesterday with, with uh, Spec, and he didn't believe that Palado could do it. So, um, you well, know. he has the money to do it. He has the money. There's no question about the money to do it. Uh, but, it, you know, but we're, we're talking about corporate dollars. We're talking about signage. Uh, we're talking about things, uh, the, the, you know, the, the amount of corporate sponsorship, for instance, that the Oilers get. There's no way that a, a team in Quebec City could garner half of what they do in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, and Edmonton, and Edmonton's a special place when it comes to you know what the Oilers do, what hockey, how hockey works, um, and 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 how Rogers Place works. So I, I just I just have my doubts. Do I have doubts that they could fill the seats? No, I don't have my doubts they can fill the seats. But I have my doubts that everything other than the ancillary, the TV revenue, I don't think it would be able to work in Quebec City because of that. John Shannon, final one for you. Uh, IIHF, Rene Fassell, um, it's been out there for a while. Are they about, uh, right now Bob Nicholson is the vice president. Of course, he's also president of the hockey side of the Oilers Entertainment Group. Um, do we know who's going to be the next president of the uh, International Ice Hockey Federation? Uh, we don't. The election is early Saturday morning our time, Bob. Uh, Bob Nicholson is not on the ballot to be the president. He is on the ballot to be the, there's a new position being put in place as a senior vice president that Bob is running for. Um, and uh, we will see as of, as of Saturday afternoon who the next president of the International Ice Hockey Federation is. And uh, one final thing, I lied. Congratulations. I, I, is it true you're going to be making seven figures? I was told yesterday by a source, seven figures for your show on Sirius? I can either confirm or deny. You know, we don't have a salary disclosure in the broadcast industry. There you go. Great stuff. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. Have a good weekend, man. Okay, Bob. Bye-bye. That is John Shannon joining us on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. We go to list eight in Oilers history. Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team of New West Travel all season long provide you this day in Oilers history. And uh, when we have some news on potential trips, we've been to New York City and Boston and Montreal and Chicago and Dallas. What about Seattle? Be a pretty good idea. Anyways, this day in Oilers history, it involved our guest yesterday. Here's Brendan Escott. Back in 1997, the Oilers make some preseason roster cuts, and among them are Georges Larocque, who has spent 46 games with the AHL's Hamilton Bulldogs that year, racked up 154 penalty minutes. He did appear in 11 NHL games. He registered 59 PIMS, but no points. Uh... Okay, and again, you can text us at any time, 780-496-0063. A lot of you have a lot of opinions right now. No question. It's great. Love the passion. 
Coming up on tomorrow's edition of Oilers Now, uh, we'll tell you that uh, starting in October for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction, service electrical, prefabrication, solar, we will be welcoming back Kevin Weeks. Tomorrow, Cam Moon. One of the orders, two radio play-by-play voices this year. The other, of course, is Jack Michaels. From Puckpedia to talk about the potential impact, I think the general assumption will be that if Staylock can't play, he'll go to LTIR and join one Oscar Clefbaum. But uh, Hart Levine will be on tomorrow's show from Puckpedia to help educate us in the options that are available to the Edmonton Oilers. And... You're not going to want to miss this if you're planning on going to the building for the first preseason game against Seattle, which is going to be Tuesday next week. Stu Ballantyne, the vice president of Rogers Place and Ice District, we're actually going to walk people through uh, various different processes. A lot of you have done it out there that are vaccinated. You've gone on the AHS site and got yourself uh, your vaccination cards. And uh, I, I, Brendan, I still haven't figured out how to take a picture of what's on my phone. What do you call that when you do that? A screenshot? I've not figured out how to do a screenshot on my phone. I should probably figure that out. Are you shocked that I don't know how to do that? I'm I'm, I'm chuckling back here. I'm not going to lie to you. There's two buttons on the phone. I think you press them at the same time. Okay, well, I have like five buttons on my phone. I'll get you to come into the room uh, six feet apart, and you can uh, take the picture that I need of my little uh, vaccination card. So I've got that as a backup in case I ever lose the hard copy. Again, Stu Ballantyne, Hart Levine, Cam Moon on tomorrow's show. We'll also have some comments from some of the players, uh, Zach Hyman, uh, as well as Warren Fogle and Miko Koskinen. Um, Reed Wilkins will have some of that on tonight's edition of Inside Sports. What else has he got shaking? It's going to be a fluid show for him. There tonight. you go. Good. Good to hear. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, then the 6.30 chat afternoons, 3 to 6 with Jalen Nye. Special thanks to all of you, uh, regardless of your views. Uh, much appreciated that took time to text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.